acoustics. That's you guys sounded good right there. And so, can you imagine those? We were singing that song a few minutes ago. A thousand generations singing out to God, thousands times thousands of praising God and worshiping Him together. Heaven's going to be the place. There's going to be nothing like it. And what a joy we get to be there someday. Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. We finished chapter 1 last week, and now we're on chapter 2. And I mentioned it in the past, and I'll mention it again. The chapter numbers and verses are not inspired. People added those. I'm very grateful they did. It's a blessing because if I were to tell you to look for a certain verse without a number and things, it would take you half my sermon to find some of the verses. Imagine, I'm like, in Psalm, I want you to find this verse. And it's Psalm 105, verse 1. It'd be like, whoa, how are we going to find that? I'm grateful for the numbers. But new chapter doesn't mean a new thought. See right away, chapter number 2, therefore. What is the therefore about? Well, therefore means for this reason. So we got to go back to the last verse of chapter 1, and then we'll go through verse number 4. So look back at Hebrews 1, verse number 14. Now, if you have your Bible open, that's easy for you. Now, if you use your tablet, then you got to flip back a chapter and then do that, so it takes a little bit more time, but it's all good. Here we go, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, for this cause, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Or the word slip there means to drift. We don't want to let our lives drift. Verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that hear him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning, how we need you today. I pray that you would guide us and help us. Thank you for the time that we've had already this morning and for the songs about heaven and then we can sing about our country this morning and how we need, your, need you. We need you this morning, Father. I pray you bless this time. Thank you for those that are here. I know there are a lot of people that are traveling, I, some in Hawaii, some are up in the mountains this weekend. Just give them a good, relaxing time and that you just get refresh them. And I pray that you bless our time. We love you this morning. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You'll notice that as we go through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see, we're going to talk about, and we've talked about how Jesus is superior to the prophets. He's better than the angels. And the angels are, they might have been called in the book of Job, the sons of God, but they are not the son of God. And they are ministering spirits. They serve the Lord. Jesus does not because he's God. Now when we look at this and we think about this this morning, we realize that, and I think you understand this morning, that Jesus is better than the prophets, and Jesus is better than the angels. I think we would agree with that this morning. How many of you would agree this morning that Jesus is superior to anyone or anything? We'd all agree to that this morning. Good. I'm glad you agree to that. I don't have to convince you because you don't realize that today. What the author of the book of Hebrews does, though, throughout, there are six times that he kind of takes a break from what he is teaching and gives warnings. 
And these warnings are here, I mentioned to you, as we go through the book of Hebrews, I believe that the goal of the book of Hebrews, the theme is for us to move on in our spiritual maturity. So there are times that we drift off. There are times that we slip. Now may I help you this morning, as a believer, as a Christian, you can backslide, okay? There are those out there that don't believe that a Christian ever backslides, but you can You can slip. You can drift. Now the whole thing is, he still has you. And you're still, you're kept by his power. Aren't you glad to know that your salvation isn't dependent on you? And that you have to do certain things in order to keep the status quo and keep your salvation? Like you got a checklist. If I don't do this, I'm not going to heaven. No, that's not how it works. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, and that's what heaven's all about. That's a blessing. Because I would lose my salvation every other minute. And so would you. Don't, some of you look in this room like, I would never lose mine. Yeah, right. You are just as bad as I am. Maybe not quite as bad, but you're just about as bad as I am. We all are. But as we go through this book and as we see that Christ is better, there are several warnings given. Those warnings are given throughout the book to help us to continue to grow. Because Christians... We are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, as the song, Come Thou Fount, says. Which we're going to mention that later, and the author. And there's some interesting things we're going to say about that this morning. You okay there, Bob? Bob's a little tired. He went to the game last night, and he's still got his notes ready to go. I like that. Bob's got his notepad. He's got a clipboard there. He's He's ready to go. I love that. He's so in, he's just, he's just right there ready for it. I, I like that. And so, still one of the best things about COVID, it got you watching those services with your wife and then got you into church. And so, and now I can't get rid of you. And so that's good. I like that. That's a good thing. I'll take that any day. Um, as we look here today, I want you to see the first warning. Therefore, let's read verse one again. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, do you notice we've talked about the fact already, the author of the book of Hebrews, is this is an inspired book, right? And so the author is saved, and he's referring to we, other saved people. So there are things that we could let go in our lives that help us drift some. Now, as we look at this, I want you to realize what it is talking about. And as we look here, we see the fact that word slip there, it literally refers to, you think about on the the ocean. And you have a boat in water. You have an anchor that you cast down. That anchor holds the boat in a certain spot. Or, you know, you have a dock area where you have your boat tied to the dock, right? And your boat doesn't go anywhere because it's tied there. The implications of that word slip, which means drift as well, it has the idea of that anchor coming loose and drifting off. In the Christian life, there are times, and you know it's true. How many of you will be honest this morning and say there's been times in my Christian life that I've drifted off a little bit? I think we all would agree with that. We don't want to stay there, and maybe you're there today, but this passage helps us with that. Now, 
before we get into our points, um, one of my, I, how many of you like J. Vernon McGee? Anybody like J. Vernon McGee? I, I like J. Vernon McGee. And uh, there are others, Warren Worsby, I really like Warren Worsby. And um, um, there, Adrian Rogers, I like a lot of those, uh, yeah. Growing up, I was told those guys were all liberals. It's a terrible thing. I missed out on so much good stuff from those three men because I was told they were liberals growing up. And they were nothing close to being liberals. It's craziness, craziness. Anyways, I'll leave that there and I won't go deeper down there. J. Vernon McGee gave six warnings uh, that are found in the book of Hebrews. I want to give those to you to write down in your notes there. The first one that you see there is the peril of drifting. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And you'll notice I put at the bottom of these six, I put where I got this from because I'm taking this straight from him. And that's what you do when you take something straight from somebody. Give credit to whom credit is due. Don't give it to yourself because you didn't write it. And you would, and all these D's and things, I wouldn't, I'm not very illiterate anyway, so you'd know it wasn't me. Number two, you see the peril of doubting. Chapter 3, verse 7 through chapter 4 and verse number 2. You see next the peril of dullness. And that's chapter 5, verse 11 through 5, 14, the end of the chapter there. Next you have the peril of departing in chapter 6. And then you have number um, 5, the peril of despising, chapter 10, verse 26 through 39. And then the peril of defying or denying, that would be chapter 12, verse 15 through 29. And we will talk about those as we go through the book. I'm just giving those to you now so you see that as we go. And so as we look here this morning, and as we see these thoughts, and we see what the Bible says, you literally, the Bible makes it clear, you know, there were angels that brought great messages to mankind, wasn't there? Remember what the angels brought to the shepherds that day? They brought the message of the Messiah, that Jesus was there, and they gave praise to God. What a message. But God has spoken, how much more should we, li we've listened to the angels and what they've said, how much more should we listen to what the Son of God says? And as we look here today, I want us to look at the fact, this warning that's there for us. You know, you drive your car long enough, and you don't, you know, change your oil or different things go on down the, or it just gets old, your car gets old. Every once in a while, there's a light that comes on, a check engine light. And, you know, nowadays on cars, sometimes the newer cars, those lights come on just because they want you to change your oil. And then it's an oil light, not a check engine light. But then there's other times it's a check engine light. And there'll be times where the check engine light comes on on the car, and all you can tell the car's not driving right, and there's something wrong. And you're like, probably they're selling off with the timing, maybe a spark plug, whatever the case may be, but I've got to get this checked. Then there's other times where the check engine light comes on and you're like, everything's fine. The question is, do you go get it checked or do you just keep driving it? Do you disconnect the battery and reconnect the battery and the light goes out? Or will it come back on? That is the question. What do you do? You're like, what you need to do is you need to find a mechanic that won't charge you to hook up the little thing and let them check it for you. That's what you need. But anyways, warning lights are there to warn you. How many of you in here have ever ran out of gas in your car? Now, if you have an older car, they didn't have the special features of today. 
the cars today say you have this long till you'll run out of gas, right? But it's kind of interesting if you run it down where it says there's like 20 miles left, then all of a sudden it'll beep and say you're super low and you don't even know. And uh, the warning light comes on so you remember to get gas. Now let's be honest, how many of you in here never really let your gas tank get under half? You always fill it back up, you're one of those. Yep, I knew we had some of those type of people in here. I knew that, we should know. And um, my wife's not either way. She doesn't even check her gas gauge. <laughs> I'll ask every once in a while, hey, where's the gas at in the car? I don't know. You don't know? What if you run out? She doesn't know. So I've, and I, I fill the gas tank up for her because I just want to make sure she puts gas in the right spot. But I'm the, one who put the, I'm the one who put gasoline in the diesel shuttle, so that was me. But anyways, warning lights are there to help. In the book of Hebrews here, there are warning lights and warnings. Maybe you're at that point in your Christian life today that you're at a warning spot. And this is maybe what's hindering your growth. Let's pay attention to the message today and see what we can get from this passage. I'm going to give two applications as we go through here. Warning number one would be those who have never taken the time to accept the gift of salvation. Now, is this passage, I primarily believe that this passage is for saved people. I do. But I do see, it talks about the fact that to not neglect so great salvation. And could I, am I stretching it a little bit? Maybe I am. But what I want you to understand, the first warning here is those who've never taken the time to accept the gift of salvation. And there are people like that. This, this two weeks ago, I was talking with a man, and we're talking, and he, he wanted to know more about the Lord. So we're talking. And literally, these were his words. I'm just not ready in my life yet. And that's, I, you, if you want to sit there and argue with somebody, you can't. If they're not ready, they're, you're not going to make them. You can twist their arm behind their back if you want. They're not going to get saved. They need to be, the Spirit of God's got to work on them. But this guy is literally like, I'm not ready I don't have time in my life right now for God, maybe later. And I'm like, you do not realize you don't have time for God. What if this is the last day you breathe? You're going to wish you took time. And I just said, I'll pray for you. You know where I'm at. You know my phone number. I'll talk to you anytime you want. And we left the conversation there. Probably about three weeks before that, I talked to a man. And this guy, he said, Literally, these were his words. I want to enjoy my life now. I'll accept him later. First of all, that's a wrong concept of God. Because you don't know what true life is till you meet Jesus. And this guy, he is missing out. If he thinks he's going to have fun and he doesn't have the Lord in his life, he's missing out on what true fun and true life is. You don't know what life is till you meet the one that gives you everlasting life. Until you have a relationship with him, you don't even, life hasn't even begun. But that's where he was at. And there are those that hear about him, but never receive him. They sit in church and have a head knowledge. But there's nothing here. Don't be that person. That's my warning for you today. I think a great passage about that was when Jesus was in Capernaum, Luke. And you put up there on the screen, chapter 4, look at what it says in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, 
Hey, do you see Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath? He had a custom of going to the synagogue. I think it would do us all great to have a custom, and you guys are here. On you have a custom to go to church. Good job. So that's a good, cust that's a good custom to have. That's a good, good one to have. Jesus had it. He went to the synagogue. It says, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered on him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And they began to say, and he began to say to them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bear him witness. And wondered at, so they all saw him. They gave witness, they saw this thing, and wondered at those gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. They heard it. They marveled at it. But they didn't accept it. And there are those. And, this, and you say, do you believe that someone could sit in a church week after week and not be saved? Yes. I'm not, if you're saved, don't doubt your salvation, okay? Once you're saved, you're always saved. But if Jesus, the perfect leader, had 12 and one had a devil in him and no one knew it except Jesus himself, yes, there could be someone not saved. And when you hear the truth, you have to accept it. Because there, what Jesus say, there are many that are going to prophesy in my name and say I've done great things, done all these things. In Matthew chapter 7 in verse number 23, he says, And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The first warning I want to give you from this passage in Hebrews this morning is, make sure you've taken the time to trust Christ. And that's where I'm going to leave that this morning. The bulk of my message is going to be in warning number two, which is for us as believers today. Number two I want you to, the warning here is for those that are in danger of neglecting the salvation that they received. Those that are in danger of neglecting the salvation that they received. This passage, when we look at this, this is what it primarily is talking about. Look back at verse number 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest, earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And so what I want to take the last little bit of time we have this morning is, how do I? Or what am I, think about it this way, when am I guilty of neglecting my salvation? What are things that I do that help me drift or slip away? I think this passage gives us a few thoughts there. Number one, as we look here this morning, hearing spiritual truth without allowing it to impact my life. We do that, don't we? We hear spiritual truth a lot. And, those, and you think about it in this room, you hear the Word of God, you're hearing it preached, you're here at church. You, hear, you read the Word of God. And I think that we are in danger, and we'll look here at this passage again here in a second, in danger of drifting away when we hear that truth and don't let it impact us. Look at what verse 1 says there. 
Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. We need to take what we've heard from the Word of God and let it do something to us. The problem is, as we look at this, what happens is sometimes we get so used to hearing it that it doesn't have effect on us anymore. You see, the problem is not a lack of knowledge. Because it says here to give more heed to the things which we've heard. We, we know these spiritual truths. The problem is not knowing them. It's what we do with them. And we've got to take better heed, the Scripture says here. Now, when we think about this, think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What's the difference between a wise person and a foolish person? A wise person hears what God says through his word, whatever the case may be, hears what God says and does what God says to do. That's a wise person. And when the storms of life come, you're not going to be drifting away. You're founded on the rock. The problem comes in when we hear it, but we don't do it. And that's where there were some, Paul talked about, that were made shipwrecked. Their lives, they drifted off. And I believe that this is part of it. A great example of this. How many of you have flown multiple times on an airplane? Okay. When you get on that airplane, they back away from the gate, and you know they're talking about how long it's going to be until you get where you're going. And then you have the, the stewardesses and things, they're standing in the aisle. And what do they do? They take a seatbelt in their hand. Click it. They release it, showing you how to fasten a seatbelt. Everyone probably already knows how to fasten a seatbelt. They say there are two exits here, here, and there. I could make good stewardess, right? Steward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that right in our world. Yeah, hey, 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 easy. Yeah, yeah, you get, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, thanks for messing me up there. Good job. So, that thing, they have that thing in their hand, and they stretch out the cord, and then they mention how you put it on yourself first before you put it on someone else. They pull out that little card that shows everything about the plane. If we crash into water, you can use your seat as a flotation device, blah, 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 blah. The thing is, after you've, Maybe the first time you're on a flight, you really paid attention because you didn't know. But you fly long enough, you're not even paying attention to what they say anymore. Because I've flown multiple times. We're not even going over water. We're not going to land in water. I don't. But if the plane goes down, you're going to want to know how to use that seat for a flotation device. If the air, if you lose oxygen in the cabin, you're going to need to make sure that you listen to them to put on your mask first before you help someone else. So, no, I'll help everyone else. You'll help everyone else, and whoo, and you'll pass out. 
You can help more people by putting it on yourself first. But the problem is we get so used to hearing it that we tune that out most of the time. Isn't that kind of what we do in the Christian life? You're a Christian for a long time. You know the Bible better than your pastor knows the Bible. You hear it, you read it, you spent time in it, and it just becomes old hat. And we are in danger of drifting when we don't take heed to what God's telling us in his word. Be honest with me this morning, okay? It's good to be honest. Honesty is a good thing. We all need to be honest. How many of you, there have been times in your Bible reading, your heart is totally in it, and you feel like, wow, God really spoke to me when I read my Bible. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me. How many of you will be honest here and say, there have been times you've read your Bible, and your heart was not in it, and you got nothing from it? I think we'd all agree with that, right? Now, the question is, is the Word of God at times bad, where you don't get anything from it? No, the Word of God is always good. The problem when I don't get something from the Word is myself. I'm, I've mentioned before, I had, I had some while back, they had said that in a year they had gotten nothing from my sermons. And you say, why do you, you mention that one often. Well, this is the thing. You say, does it bother you? For their sake, it bothers me because I want them to get things from God. But I don't know if you realize this. Already this morning, I've used 14 verses. If I said nothing that helped the cause but gave you 14 verses, there should be something for you to get from 14 verses. Right? I think so. Because God's word is being preached. The seed is being sown. I can't control the soil. But we get in danger of slipping and drifting when we hear it and we get to the point to where the Word of God doesn't do anything. That's us. That's a problem with us. So we look at this passage and we think about those thoughts. we got to keep in mind that in the Christian life, there is no such thing as a standing still. You're either growing or you're not. It's literally how it is. You're either growing or you're not. There's no middle ground. Life, you think about this, life is not like a pool of water that doesn't move anywhere. Life is constantly like the ocean and the rough waves moving. That's what life does. Life constantly has us moving. What you do with what God says and what you do with it will determine if you are drifting or moving forward. The warning here, you need to take, you need to check. If it's been a while since you've heard anything from God, His Word is there. And I know you spend time in it, I know you read it. But you might be neglecting that salvation as we've looked at when you continue hearing spiritual truth without allowing it to impact your life. Letter B, or number two, you might be neglecting that salvation when you begin to think that your sin is not a big deal. When you begin to think that your sin's not a big deal, look at what verse 2 says. For if the word spoken by angels 
was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or reward. The argument that the author is making here is that if the law given by God's messengers, the angels, proved reliable and brought judgment on those who disobeyed, how much greater must the consequences of disobedience be to those who neglect the message of salvation made from Jesus Christ? Warren Worsby tells a story about a pastor who preached a sermon series on the sins of the saints. And one of, the, one of the church members came up to him afterwards and reprimanded him and said, um, said this, after all, sin, after all, sin in the life of a Christian is different from sin in the lives of other people. So why are you spending so much time preaching about the sins of the saints? And, Warren, and the preacher said there, you're true, you're right, it is different. It's worse to sin and to be saved. That's true. Do you realize when you don't know Christ, when you're not saved, you are a slave to sin? Did you know as a believer in Jesus Christ and being saved, sin does not have to have dominion over you now? Through the Holy Spirit's help, you can say no to sin. You can. Doesn't mean we do, but we can. And as we look at this passage here, and this, is, this happens often, where people will look at, and we, we do this, we're very good at this. We're very good at looking at someone else's sin and not looking at our own sin. Oh, their sin's terrible, but mine, I gave the example in the last service, and I'll give the example again. A while back, I had someone coming to our church, and they, and people will do this from time to time, they call, they call me a compromiser. That's, I don't know why people, they like call me a compromiser. But I'll just help you out. Tie or no tie, you realize something I'll show you? It's not a compromise. The bo- Jesus didn't wear a tie. And I don't think he would have wore one if he had to, because he is perfect and he wouldn't do anything like that. I think whoever invented the tie wanted to choke the person, because literally it would be very easy to and just end it all right there. And so that's why when I wear a tie, I don't stand very close to my wife, because... It just doesn't leave that door open for her. But literally, this person was going on, so this is what they were telling me. You don't have enough soul winning. You don't wear a tie on Sunday nights, and you sing new songs. You're a compromiser, and I don't know if I can go to this church. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So a few weeks later, I got called to their house for something. Living in open sin. Having someone live there that has no business living there in open sin. Fornication. And they're telling me that I'm a compromiser when they're living in that sin. But we do stuff like that. And that person, they were here this morning. They know I talked about them. I didn't say a name or anything like that. But what happens is there are times that we get spiritually blinded because of the sin in our lives. And we think everyone else's sin is so bad. David was a great example of that, wasn't he? Remember when Nathan came to him and said, hey, this guy stole this sheep from this person. That person should be killed for it. And, and they, thou art the man. Whoa. Because sometimes our spiritual blinders come on from the sin that's present in us. You need to be very careful with that. You might be a candidate to drift off and to be slipping away 
if you're not heeding what God has for you and you're not getting it from his word, but also when you begin to look at your sin and not think that's a big deal. You've got to understand something this morning. As a believer, you are, your, your past sins are forgiven. Your sins you just committed today are forgiven and your future past, present, future. You don't have to go to God and say, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. But there is a verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there are those that will take this verse completely out of context and say that if you don't confess your sin, he's not going to forgive you. Which, if you come to him for salvation and you have, if you... If you have to confess every sin that you do in order to receive salvation, then you're working your way to heaven. That's, that's a Bible truth right there. The word confess here doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. The word confess means to agree. Do you know why we get hindered in our spiritual growth at times and we backslide and drift? Because we're blinded to the truth. And when we'll admit and say, hey God, and let me give you one other little thought right here. There are many Christians, I've heard it, I've done it myself. How many of you ever told God, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. You liar. And then five minutes later, you don't tell God you're never going to do it again. There's no need to say things like that. You know, as a kid, I probably said that to my parents. I'll never do it again. And then my mom's like, you just did it again. We say things. The confession means to agree. We hinder, our, and you say, well, I'm already forgiven, aren't I? You're forgiven, aren't you? You are forgiven. Past, present, future sin. But when we regard an iniquity and when we have sin in us, we're not growing. And the fellowship and things, if we were to go to 1 John chapter 1 and look at that, you might be neglecting your salvation today and drifting off because you got some sin in your life that you need to confess to God. Agree with God. God, I know this is wrong. How many times do we rationalize our sin? Say, well, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't do this, so it's okay. It's just a little lie. Do you realize a little lie normally leads to another little lie? Which leads to another little lie, which leads to another little lie. And before long, you got a big old trail of lies. Lies are not just a little thing. Lying's wrong. We need to agree with God about our sin. So this morning, maybe you're at the point in your Christian life where you're drifting off. Say, how can I get back? Let me give you a few thoughts. We'll be done this morning. Number one, we're just about done. Confess any known sin. Confess it to God. When's the last time you talked to God about your sin? Say, he already knows. Oh, he does know. He does. It's amazing what we try to hide from God when he knows all things. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, they're hiding from God. Really? Can you hide from God? Sin makes us do dumb things, doesn't it? Sin does. And Adam and Eve, they couldn't hide from God. God was there. Confess any known sin. If you got sin, and, and at times we all do. You know, 
I think about that song I mentioned earlier to, today from Come Thou Fount. That verse goes, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The author of that song was, Rob, uh, was uh, Robert Robinson. Quite a name there. He got saved under the ministry of George Whitfield, And he wrote that song. He was a pastor. And he was doing the work of God. And there's one day he stepped away from it all. And, and what he did was he basically walked away from the church, walked away from God. And he literally tried to travel and find peace in other ways. He left it all behind. And one day he met a lady on where he was at. And this lady handed him a songbook and said, hey, could you explain this to me? And guess what song it was? Come Thou Found. And those words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. His own song spoke to his heart. And he got back to God and stayed and served him the rest of his days. It's amazing how his own song God used. But it's amazing to me that he wrote the song and it didn't ever come into his mind. Because sometimes we're so familiar with the Word of God, so familiar with the things of God, that we don't let it speak to us. And he needed that lady to show him that. And his own song changed his life. It's pretty powerful right there. Sometimes we get so used to God's Word. And may I just remind you, I don't care if you've read it 5,000 times, if you've been a Christian 80, 90 years, God's Word is an amazing book that you can still get something from it today, even if you've read it and you know it well. And none of us know it that well, okay? There's a lot more growth for each of us in the Word of God. But number one, confess any known sin. Number two, and we're just about done. Number two, Remove those things that hinder our spiritual growth. Later on in the book of Hebrews, it talks about to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And if you're, if you're drifting today, confess your sin. Remove those things that hinder spiritual growth. And then lastly, get this from our series on, uh, in Revelation. Return to your first love. Church at Ephesus... The Lord say I have something against them. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, as thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent to the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. We've taken the first several weeks in the book of Hebrews to see how superior Jesus is to the angels, to the prophets. And then the reminder here is, hey, Christian... Don't neglect that so great salvation. And don't slip. Don't backslide. Don't backslide. You know, you think about, and I've used, I used this parable last week. I'll use it again. I'm a firm believer that the parable of the prodigal son is not one for salvation, but after salvation. It's a son. A son is different than not a son. And as a son, the son leaves. Did he all of a sudden not be a son anymore? No, he was still a son. He went and did his own thing. And what happened? He came to himself. 
and realized even the servants in my dad's house have it better than me. You know what he did? He really came to the point to where he agreed with what his dad had already, what he had already known. So he repented, he confessed, and as he came home, the dad didn't wait for him to come home and do all these different things. The dad ran and met him. God loves you today. And if you're on your boat and your boat is drifting, you need to take heed to what you hear and let it impact you and change your life. And you need to deal with the sin that's in you. And we all have sin. We all do. Deal with that sin. And then return to your first love. Let's stop wandering. And let's come back to the Lord. And we all have seasons of drifting. We all do. As a pastor, there are seasons that I drift. We all do. Don't stay there. Get back to the Lord. I would take the message this morning and the notes from today and put those somewhere close. So when you, and you know, the problem is with me, and you, I don't know if you're the same as me, but one of my problems is I don't like realize something right away. It takes me a while before I figure it out. It's like um, if I have, if I'm going through, a, and I'll have anxiety from time to time. And there might be a season in life where things, where the anxiety builds up. And if I can figure that out right away, I can deal with it faster. But then there are times where I don't realize it. And then Caroline's like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, oh yeah, it's coming. And sometimes that's the problem. We, we have to wait to, we, it takes us a while to figure out. Don't take a while to figure out you are wandering from God. If you haven't heard from him in a while, if he hasn't spoken to you through his word, you haven't heard from him in a, in a while, you might be drifting. If there's some sin that you need to get right with him, you might be drifting. Let's stop drifting and let's get back because we realize Jesus is better than anything, right? So let's live that out and let's not drift off onto other things. Let's just stay close to Jesus where we should be, folks.